irockradio.me. I'm Rick Becker, back talking with Neil Middleton, the lead singer of Royal Bliss. Neil, your newest single, Ritalin, seems to address complacency in society. At least that's what I got from it. How do you think we've become complacent, and do you think your music can help spark people out of that complacency? You know, this song came out because I've, I've been a person of complacency, um, and I think that's really what it is. You know, I'm, I'm one of those people in the middle that, you know, I, I see both sides, and it's been so diversive and, and, and just negative what you see, like friends just being extremely evil and, and mean to some of their best friends in the world, and you see, like, relationships getting broken up over all this crap, and then there's us in the middle that have always just been like, you know, my life's fine. I get to move on. And, you know, my home has always been good. There's like the political world has never affected my life in a way that I've needed. I felt like I need to really get more involved or have my music be political in any way, shape or form. I would rather be the musician that takes everybody away from all the bullshit in the world or in their life, because that's my job is to bring some entertainment and have you have you connect in a different way? And so, I, I think this year there is a lot of things coming to our doorstep that we're being affected by now. And it's sad that we've waited to this point to be like, all right, we need to stand up and make some noise, and actually, you know, raise our voice. You know, like do the proper research in the local elections and things like that, because obviously shit's going wrong, and we need to stop the hatred and. And I think it's us in the middle that have been complacent and like myself that it's time I speak up and say something and try to inspire the people in the middle to help bring us together. We're the glue. We're the Oreo middle, you know, and then that's the other two sides. And so we just got to keep keep the world together by that common ground, which is what we have in the middle. I relate with people on the left and I relate with people on the right and I can have a good time with either group. I think it's us that need to be like, all right, guys, let's stop being idiots. So this is about as political of a song as I've ever written. And I usually don't go that way, but it's also, it's a song in the middle. And that and, shows uh, a lot of really good introspection where like, I obviously got that message of complacency out of it, but the fact that you're almost writing it about yourself, that's, that's really cool. That's really interesting. And it's not sort of you dictating to other people like, you have to stop being so complacent. You're telling yourself, like, I have yeah. to stop being so complacent. That's really cool. You need to be a better citizen of this country in, in a way that, you know, and getting older, too, I think we noticed that. And having a family and a mortgage and, and a business. And now, you know, it came to my doorstep. <laughs> you know, the business side of it where it's, it's crazy. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. You got to be honest in your lyrics. You got to be honest in your songs and and. I think that's why our fans connect with us so much because they, they can relate to the the words and uh, even if they're not in a hundred percent agreement with it. I'm Rick Becker chatting with Neil from Royal Bliss on iRockRadio.me. You guys come out of Salt Lake City, which may actually surprise a lot of our listeners. Is there a thriving hard rock scene in Utah? No, there's a, there's a great scene. There's a great local music scene here. Lots of really good rock bands. I think you're going to start hearing about a lot of them here in the very near future. Um, and they work hard and they connect. And, you know, when we play shows together, we're up there cheering each other on and singing each other's words and being on each other's records. There's a really good local music scene here. And I think it's, you know, and it's very diverse too. Um, 
and we all get along and we all respect each other. I mean, there's certain shows where, you know, I'm up on stage with, you know, folk bands and country bands and hip hoppers. And I mean, every kind of genre, we support each other. The reggae here is really awesome. So uh, it's a good scene. We don't have an active rock radio station, though, so it's kind of rough. We have two mainstream rock that plays some currents, but uh, so we don't get a lot of the new rock music coming through town. But other than that, man, there's we got it going strong for ourselves, and I think a lot of the fans here locally are figuring that out and starting to really respect the local rock scene. And that's one of the reasons we at irockradio.me, we like to take that seriously because we know a lot of these local communities don't necessarily have a newer rock radio station. So we can yeah. take that place being on the internet that we're everywhere in the world. We like to be that local radio station for the places that don't really have one. Well, thank you for doing that. I absolutely love the segment on your Facebook page with Brian, your bassist, giving obscure Utah trivia. Whose idea was that, and how did that come about? It's hilarious. That's Brian the bassist, man. He So that's one thing he does on tour. When we're on the road, he looks up the town that we're playing at and does one of those tour time trivia for, for every town that we play. So he learns all this stuff, which we really enjoy because we find out about the town too, but he's sitting there in his bunk doing those for every, every, pretty much every town. And it's, uh, it's, you know, it's some way to keep entertained while you're on the road with five dudes in a 200 square foot apartment. Back in June, you had a tribute show to Tom Petty. He's absolutely one of my 10 favorite artists of all time. I have damn the torpedoes is right here in my studio. How did you come about doing that, and how did the show go? Uh, so right after he passed, um, I had a good friend of mine hit me up and would just be like, "He's, would you be interested in, in doing a Tom Petty tribute?" And I just said, "Hell yeah!" Before even like thinking about it, and then you know realized right after that that we need to learn seventeen Tom Petty songs in order to cover our time frame. But it ended up being an amazing experience to be able to go through all those songs and we pretty much all knew them all, you know? So all those songs, we all had our favorites and there's still another 15 that I want to learn. And it really wasn't until that moment that I realized the impact that Tom Petty had on me personally. The other guys in the band had, you know, said, you know, Tom Petty is one of their favorites growing up and had special stories. I had luckily gotten to see Tom Petty play live up in Boise uh, a couple of years prior to his passing. And, and it was, it was a hell of an experience. So, it's nerve wracking whenever you do an artist like Tom Petty, because he's one of the greatest songwriters of all time, one of the greatest, you know, musical influences on so many people in the world. And so I, I, I originally was worried that I would try to sing like Tom Petty, try to sound like him. And, uh, and then I decided that I'm just going to do my own vibe. And we ended up playing that first show and it sold out in 15 minutes. And then, so we did a second one and then we did a third one. And they all sold out, and we had such a good time singing Tom Petty songs. And talk about connecting with a crowd of strangers. We did the big show with 1,200 people at it at the depot, and just everybody singing Tom Petty songs from the top of their lungs, and it's just such a fun time. I didn't even need to sing one word. I could have just stuck the mic out in the crowd. But Tom, Tom's a huge, huge influence on, I think, a lot of musicians, and for me, it really came true learning all those songs and being like, damn, having stories where it would take me back to spring break or take me back to an old girlfriend or take me back somewhere. And 
every single one of those songs had that memory for me. So it was a, it's, it's a lot of fun. We'll do more of those. So quick, what's your favorite Tom Petty song? And if it's different, what's your favorite Tom Petty song to play live? Oh God, man, that's a tough one. It's a really tough one. I love wildflowers. Um, that's one of just one of my favorite songs. And it's one of the only songs that pretty much every time we play it live, no matter how many times I rehearsed it, I screw it up because I'm so nervous to sing it. Um, and that's always the ones that mean the most to me that are my favorite songs or the hardest ones to cover because I just, I, they're so personal. It's like I cannot screw this up and then I overthink it and overthink and I screw it up. So Wildflowers, we play, we did a cover of Running Down a Dream. That's our own version, Royal Bliss style. It'll probably release the next few months. And uh, that one's a lot of fun. Rock it out, though. It's like we don't play exactly like Tom Petty. Bring up the choruses and rock it out. And we just relate with the words of that one very, very well. And those are always the best cover songs when they don't do like a note for note from the original. Because I can hear Tom Petty play that song and I'll be hearing it for the rest of my life. But if you play it, I want to hear you play it. You took a stand and supported hashtag the show must be paused back in June. Did your fans tend to support you in that or did you get any backlash? No, uh, I didn't get any backlash. I got more people that were curious about it than anything. I did a little March uh, with a group here in Utah, which is uh, from uh, the courthouse up to the Capitol. It's just kind of trying to bring um, awareness to the individuals mainly that make our lives possible which is all the people behind the scenes you know our the stage crew and the lighting crew and the you know sound crew and security and the promoters and the venues i mean it just goes on and on the list is huge of people that lost their jobs and you know we own a live bar and music venue in salt lake so you know we felt it there getting shut down i mean you know going through contemplations of bankruptcy and things like that those are tough feelings and i don't think a lot of people thought about us, I mean, they thought about the bands, you know, because the bands are being loud and they're able to play acoustic, but there's not people in here setting up lights and setting up sound. And, you know, there's warehouses full of gear that people invested their entire life savings into and they're not not able to go back to work. And they're the non-essential ones, but is, is what they say. But then I think by raising awareness to it, people realize that they are essential to so many aspects of the economy and, you know, the local community. So you just mentioned that you own your own venue? Yeah. So how has that side of the business been for you lately? Like, how do you try to maneuver through this entire situation? I mean, it's just like the band. Um, you just got to instantly get creative. You know, we were one of the first venues to open back up to allow live music. Um, we're at 20% capacity, but we're able to do it safely in our venue. We uh, set up tables. You have to reserve a table. You have to wear a mask and we have followed all the health guidelines. That was one of the first phone calls we made was to the health department to figure out how can we do this safely and also to let our patrons feel safe at the same time um, and still be able to open up because I mean, we, we just got to figure it out. And so we figured it out. We played one of the first shows there and everybody felt safe. You know, everybody was socially distanced. I mean, you couldn't be up on the stage. So the vibe was very different, but it's, you know, it's what we all have to do. It's what the fans have to, to do to uh, be able to see a live show. They got to sit at a table or they got to wear a mask in and then they can have their drinks and hang out. They can't walk up to the bar. They have to get a temperature tested at the front. Um, 
it's just you know doing the work you're working twice as hard to make a quarter or eighth of the money that you were making before and we're just we've been fortunate enough to be able to pay the bills you know we're not making any money by any means but we're paying the bills and there's a lot of venues out there that I'm, I fear won't make it next year that uh, and you're already hearing about it they need to pass that bill that will you know save the stages because uh, it's going to be a very sad awakening whenever we all want to go back to playing concerts and there's just not the amount of venues that there used to be but we're going to survive we have a lot of you know these local venues like I mentioned HMAC in Harrisburg and we talked about Chameleon Club in Lancaster, which actually that club right now is moving locations. They had to sell their original historic venue, but they are going to reopen when everything comes back. Do you have any advice for people who run venues for how you've been able to do it, where you're at least meeting the bottom line so that you can make it through to the other end of this? Um, I mean, you just got to start. I mean, really, more than anything, it's about buckling down and and doing the work, you know, filing all the damn paperwork and going, doing it the right way. Cause I mean, that's the problem around here. Locally, there's some people here, some venues that have just been like willy nilly letting everybody come in risking, you know, people getting sick in one of these venues. And I don't, you know, either way, if you believe in it or if you don't believe in it, if you're mask or non-mask or whatever, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's your livelihood. It's our business. And if, I got to follow guidelines in order to be able to pay my employees, be able to keep those doors open and be able to allow fans to come see live music. I'll do whatever it fucking takes. So I think a lot of venues, you know, they want to fight the system, some of them, and others just want to completely go the other direction and shut their doors. Uh, But I think the local community needs us. And so we got to do a lot more work. Like I said, you got to work twice as hard to make no money. But, uh, you know, the Royal's been able to do that. My partner has been phenomenal in doing that. Kelly, she's she's a badass. And so it's just about doing absolutely everything you can. Following the, the co- contact in your health department to be like, okay, how can I do this the best way so my doors don't get shut down, so I don't get a fine, so I can keep doing this and, uh, and just doing it. I mean, it's, it's just a matter of due diligence. And have you found that people are just so excited to get back to the clubs that they'll follow whatever rules you have for them? Is that sort of what you're finding? Yeah, I think I think that is. And I think it's important for the bands and other people out there, no matter what your belief is. You know, we nobody wants to wear these damn masks. Masks, they're, they're stupid. And and uh, but you know, that's the biggest thing with people, the whole mask thing for some damn reason. But it's like, man, just wear the damn mask inside as soon as you get a drink or some food you can take it off and do whatever and i think all the fans have been at least for the royal bliss shows are just like i'm gonna go i'm going to a rock show i'm gonna get some drinks and have a good time and if i have to wear this mask to go in there and if i have to wear this mask to keep this bar open that i love seeing live concerts at if i have to follow this guideline in order to see this band play on stage and to help them put food on their table then i think they've uh, they've seen that all right I can deal with a little bit of annoyance to support. And I know that we have a lot of our listeners, for example, are trying to support bands through this, trying to support venues through this. For people looking to just buy some of your music, buy some of your merch, maybe support your club, How are what are some places where they can go to sort of 
be a part of the band and really support you and help you make it through to the other side of this? Uh, I mean, the social media stuff, just being uh, present on there and, you know, comment and giving, giving us any ideas of things is one fun way that we've got some, you know, got some great ideas from fans and, uh, and sharing, sharing our socials, sharing our Spotify playlist, being like, Hey, you know, add it to your playlist, you know, have your friends introduce people to our music. I mean, that's the biggest thing right now. And then if you can afford to buy merch, www.royalbliss.com, there's a merch link there. There's all sorts of stuff on that. Um, when we do our live shows, we have different links that you can go to to support. And same with the Royal. The Royal's the same way. Um, just go to the Royal's social media pages and check it out. Go to our website, royalslc.com. Um, that's some of the ways you can support us personally. But uh, yeah, all your all your bands that you're fans of out there, be sure to share them with your friends. You know, help help all those guys out there that that mentally need to play music to survive and don't know what the hell we're going to do. Uh, it really helps our, you know, our belief in ourselves and our, our conviction of rock and roll must live and we must live with it. So you, uh, you really help us out a lot just by sharing our music. That's cool. Cause I don't know if a lot of fans really realize that something as simple as posting one of your official videos on their Facebook page can help you guys a lot. Yeah. You know, I mean, if we get one fan, if, you know, someone's got 100 friends and one person takes a look, that's worth it to us. You know, it's that's why we do this, just to get our music heard. And by whatever means that is, you know, if it's Spotify, if it's radio, if it's you showing to a friend because you'll think they'll like us or whatever. I mean, those are that's how we've always grown from since day one. Very, very grassroots. I'm Rick Becker from irockradio.me, and I want to thank Neil Middleton, lead singer of Royal Bliss. It was a great time. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, man. Now let's hear from Royal Bliss. This is Medication on irockradio.me. irockradio.me, I'm Rick Becker, and I have something very special for you. Right now I'm joined by Neil Middleton, the lead singer of Royal Bliss. Neil, how are you doing today? Doing amazing, brother. Thank you, thank you. So before everything happened, your band was scheduled to play our birthday bash at Chameleon Club in Lancaster, PA. If that show would have happened and some of our listeners were getting a chance to see you guys for the first time, can you describe what type of show they would have gotten? Well, they would have gotten a rock show. And Royal Bliss, I think it's easy to tell when we're on stage that we're just having a really good time. And that's what rock and roll music is. And that's the same thing Fozzie. You can tell Fozzie's having a blast up there on stage and... And uh, so that that night would have been an awesome rock show for everybody. And I think we're going to get to do it here in the future. So just be ready for it, because especially next year, holy crap, I think, you know, the the energy level from the crowd, from the bands is going to be huge. And so when they see Royal Bliss back on stage, they're going to see four dudes just having the time of their life being kids again. Yeah, you mentioned trying to make up for the birthday bash being canceled. We are on tap to have that show again. Fozzie and Royal Bliss on May 23rd at Harrisburg Midtown Arts Center in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. So all of you listening, mark that down on your calendars. So Neil, your band's been trying to find ways to stay in front of fans with limited attendance shows and streaming shows. How's that been working out for you? Uh, it's been really good. You know, I think... Uh, I, I think this whole time as hard as it's been for all of us musicians i think for the ones that buckled down and got creative which i mean that's what we do for a living you're you're creative 
I think we we learned a lot. I know here at Royal Bliss, we <laughs> like even like setting up for this call today, I was trying to set up with my little audio interfaces and things like that and things that before this, I didn't know how to use any of that. I knew how to use a guitar and a microphone. And uh, so now I think for all of us bands out there, we're learning all these new ways. Like we had hardly ever done any live feeds of an actual live show or like how to use Zoom or using Skype, like using all these things that we've never used before that have ended up being really a really good way to connect with our fan base. Even when we're able to get back to playing full rock shows and live shows, I think a lot of these bands, especially, you know, us, we're going to use these formats still to stay connected throughout the day. You know, so it'll it'll make the personal experience of being in touch with your fans that much better for us. But uh, I mean, I don't know. I've learned a lot, and it's been it's been really cool. And the first show I remember playing in this room, acoustic, and it was so weird to finish playing a song and then just have it be dead silent, even though you know there's a thousand people streaming at the same time. But it was that was that first moment was awkward. I was so excited. I like I got dressed to play like a live show. I did my hair, I showered, I did all that. Like just to have that feeling of, yeah, we're going to play a show, but it, it became a reality really fast when there was not the energy of the crowd screaming back at you. But uh, it's been, it's gotten better since then because all the communication that you have online that people are like, all right, man, that was so, so awesome. Thank you for giving me a sense of normalcy. And then you realize the power that's behind all that too. Yeah, I think one of the things just as a fan of music in those first few weeks after everything happened and all of these artists were just popping up and giving you 10, 15 minute sets. And it really made it feel like everybody was kind of in this thing together. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cause we, we all are the whole world. I think people got to see a different side of the artist too, at the same time. So it wasn't just, it started out with just live shows cause that's what we do. But then you see all these other bands like coming up with creative videos and just like, Hey, you know, cooking, cooking with Neil, you know, and, and so I think it's connected the fans even further than just the music and just the live shows because they've been able to come into some of our houses and connect as, you know, just normal dudes. I think it's been fun to watch, man. It's been it's been cool. We have new friends that you connect online and it's because they're like, hell, man, it's cool. Like be in your kitchen. It's just it's weird. Never thought that that would be part of my business. You know, I thought it was always going to be just writing music, playing live shows and doing that. But. Now it's like you want to stay alive and continue to do that when this is done. You get creative and, and be like, hey, this is how many push-ups I can do. <laughs> People will watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so you've definitely used it in your art, too, because the medication video certainly brings back some of those memories of the very, very early days of lockdown. Can you talk about the video for medication, how that idea came about? And just elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the video for medication was, it was it was simple, really. I mean, it's exactly what we were all going through at that time. Kind of coming out of the, you know, it was starting to be like, all right, open the doors to some places and you can leave your house. But being locked in, especially as musicians, man, and not being able, you know, we had just had all our shows canceled, like 150 shows canceled. So we were just kind of in this reality of like going nuts. We were supposed to be on tour during that lockdown. You, you know, you psych yourself up, you work towards it, you rehearse all these, you know, do all these rehearsals just because you're ready to go out and conquer the world. And then you're just locked in your room with your family, which is awesome. I actually really enjoyed being with my family. But uh, it was that going insane. And so we were really able to kind of connect with 
characters in an insane asylum going nuts because we were held away from being able to play together as a band. You know, you can play acoustic guitar all day by yourself, but when you've been in a band for as long as we have, you miss your brothers just being able to break out of the insane asylum and get together and play music again. That's that's what that's all about. And I think everybody out there is music is a medication and being able to go to live concerts and, and venues and connecting. I think that's what the world's missing right now. We don't have we don't have concerts where you go and you're all singing the same damn lyrics and you don't care what the person next to you believes. You're just having the time of your life with strangers. And I think that's what the world's missing right now. And they need that medication so we all don't go insane. And speaking of medication, that song features Shim, the former lead singer of Sick Puppies. How did you guys end up connecting with him? He was drunk in Park City, and I was an Uber driver, and I picked him up. And uh, and he was just like, we connected and came to my house, and he just stayed at my house for a couple days because he was just hammered. So I just put him to bed, and uh, then we woke up, we started writing songs. He just walked around naked all the time, though, which was really weird, but... Uh, but we wrote like three or four songs, and um, and that's kind of that's kind of how it went down. It was really strange. That's absolutely not a true story, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> there is absolutely no way that is a true story. I like that. You know, you said earlier that you guys like to have fun on stage, and I like that you brought that entertainment value to the interview. That was fun. <laughs> Sorry, man. I can't resist sometimes. He's with our same management team, and he was in Park City uh, doing Sundance Film Festival. Uh, playing some shows or hanging out up there and and uh, they asked if we wanted to write together and I said yeah come on over and he stayed a couple nights at my house and we wrote a bunch of songs and that one just uh, we connected and uh, had a really good time so we've been friends ever since we still communicate he's he's an awesome dude he's a hell of a talented guy I'm Rick Becker here talking with Neil Middleton of Royal Bliss on irockradio.me. You're scheduled to play Rockfest in Wisconsin in July of next year on the same bill with Disturbed, Stained, Corn, Anthrax, Snoop Dogg, and a whole lot more. What's the mindset going into big festivals and competing with legendary artists like that for attention? I love those festivals. Uh, I remember playing Rock on the Range the first time, and that was one of those big festivals that just, I fell in love with just hanging out with the artists and meeting people and getting to see all these shows. You get to turn into a fan, you know, where it's like, I'm excited. I can't, Snoop Dogg, I'm going to be sharing the stage with Snoop Dogg. And a lot of people are like, what is Snoop Dogg doing on a rock fest? But man, I think a lot of us rockers out there grew up on Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and and Easy E and NWA, man. And uh, so it's it's cool to be on the same stage as him. And Korn won a, a huge influence early in my in my days. And you know, I mean it's I turn into a fan more than anything else. I'm not I never worry about uh, fans, you know, or hope that they we gotta have the best show of our life because you know we, we gotta impress these fans. They're gonna be all excited for corn. How are you gonna win a corn fan over? And I think the way we win any fan over is just being ourselves and not worrying about that shit, playing our music and just being true. And then if they love us, they love us. If they don't, they don't. Nothing we can do about it. And you have an entire tour scheduled to start in April of next year. So how do you prepare yourself mentally for that with all of the uncertainty? Like you said, you were gearing up for a big tour this past year. And then everything got shut down. So how do you sort of bring back that intensity? And how do you get yourself ready as a band to go out there and hit the road? Well, luckily, you know, Royal Bliss through, throughout our career, 
we've been through a lot of ups and downs, man. So it's, uh, you know, a lot of those moments of, yes, we're going to get to do this. We're going to like, we were supposed to open for kiss at USANA amphitheater in front of 20,000 people this last year. And then two days before the concert, Gene Simmons got kidney stones and had to cancel. And it was the first time we were going to get to play that venue. And that's like a dream venue for us. So it's just another one of those moments where I'm still going to get excited. I'm still going to put in the prep work. Every single person in this band is going to be pumped to go out on tour in April And we're going to plan on it. And if something happens that it gets taken away, then we'll just deal with it at that point. Um, It sucks, you know, to have all these things. We were supposed to be on Rockfest last year, Rock USA, Upheaval Festival. Um, We were supposed to do another cruise on tour with Fozzie and Through Fire and all these other things lining up. We had a first song, Break Top 20 in the country, and then have it yanked out from underneath us. But, you know, I think that's the thing about Royal Bliss. We've been through a lot in our career and uh it's just another roadblock and if it gets canceled again then we'll just deal with it write more music and do a lot more stuff of cooking in the cooking them in the middle with neil <laughs> i'm rick becker from irockradio.me i will be back to finish my conversation with neil middleton the lead singer of royal bliss we'll be bringing them to hmac in harrisburg pennsylvania on may 23rd of next year with fozzy Right now, let's enjoy some Royal Bliss on iRockRadio.me.